Hey everybody, this is Brian David Marshall here with Michael J. Flores, and uh, we're about to bring you a new sound of New York. Are we? Are we gonna? This sounds pretty quiet, Brian. Are we gonna? We're gonna podcast from a, a new quiet area. We have a new, perfectly quiet, for the most part, area we're at the West Side Ferry Terminal. Uh, you may have often seen it on Law and Order: Criminal Intent oh. as a uh, like Middle Eastern airport. <laughs> Oh, yeah? I've seen them shooting that here. This is a Middle Eastern airport. Yeah. I'm on order criminal yeah, Yes, it is. So, um, people around the country, or maybe even around the world, perhaps you've heard of, of Hurricane Sandy or Superstorm Sandy. Do, do you think people have heard about that? I think, I think they've heard about it probably more than they care to. Yeah. Maybe seen pictures of... of uh, Manhattan underwater? Oh, no. I was thinking more of Governor Chris Christie costing... Mitt Romney the election, uh, or perhaps the flooded Hoboken path train terminal. That, that was my favorite Janine Turner tweet <laughs> on election night, which was just, thank you, Governor Christie. Well, I don't know. That's one I don't understand. Janine Turner, 20 years ago, one of the most beautiful women on TV, and she's on like this like proto-hipster, takes place in Alaska, but it's really kind of the spirit of, of Seattle at the cusp of Starbucks television sure. role. Yeah. And she has somehow transformed herself into a born-again Christian super conservative, right? Yeah, Federalist paper teaching. Yeah, it's... Christ yoga teaching. She, Christ she yoga. Christ yoga, because yoga, actual yoga is Satanistic. It's pagan. So oh. she does yoga for Christ. It's not yoga. It's Christ yoga. I mean, you still very limber or... <laughs> Or is, is flexibility against against her bars? So here, for example, this. It's the voice of God yelling at us for making fun of Janine Turner. So, I mean, I I love Janine Turner back in, like, 1990s. You're, she was, you're, you're not alone. She was glorious, but now she's a, glorious. A, a wingnut. <laughs> yeah, that one's weird. Anyway, yeah, so... Um, anyway, the notion that Chris Christie actually cost uh, Governor, think Governor Romney... The, you do? I do. I do think you don't. You just you you like all the Fox News just ignore the math. Like Nate no, Silver no, no, got no, no, fifty no, no, out of fifty no, no. this I, time. I, I I would say that it could have been a lot closer. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, there was like a ninety percent margin of error. I, I agree. It could have been a lot closer. It could have been a lot closer. Like. I think I think he's like certainly ninety points closer. It could have been. I, here's what I think. I mean, we never talk politics on this, but no. I I do think Christie saw the writing on the wall for before the rest of the yeah. sort of like shining stars of the Republican Party, and yeah. he was just like, I am going to be the first guy working in the spirit of cooperation you, and bipartisanship. This can't wants to be president someday, yeah. right? Yeah, maybe even in four years. <laughs> anyway, uh, to make a long story short, we still live. We, we never talk politics, but anyway, the. The, the Hoboken, uh, I'm sorry, the Hoboken Path Terminal was horribly damaged in Superstorm Sandy. The, it's not just a question of being flooded, but all the electrical systems were destroyed by sewage and salt water. So, you know, getting to and from New Jersey, between New York and New Jersey, is taking some creativity. It takes me like and, two hours each and, way. And now it's haunted by wear manatees. Oh. I don't know if you knew that. They're keeping that quiet. We no. also don't often talk cryptozoology on this podcast. Wear but... manatees, huh? <laughs> True or false? If we if we road tripped, 
to the path station, Justin Poland would leave the door open after, he would, after he would, a draft. We'd be, like, all rushing into the train. Yeah. And he'd hold the door open for a wear manatee. Like, Come on, guys. <laughs> like, please, let the doors close. He's like, nope, there's some wear manatee flopping oh his way God, over here. Justin Poland. He's a Grand Prix top eight competitor. Isn't he a ch- Oh, no, he's second place. In South Africa. The Ben Sec won that one, right? <laughs> like, three and three made day two. <laughs> You know who didn't make top eight of that one? Ryan Fuller. Ryan Fuller at the height of his powers. That was like the one he didn't make top eight of. (laughs) My old writing partner, Justin Poland. Anywho, so um, I would prefer not to talk about basketball today. Would you? Oh, yeah, you have to. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) You're having a bad basketball week. Um. My team has the same number of wins that we had when you and I podcasted last, which I, at the time of this recording has still not gone up on sure, MTG Cast. Sure. I'm actually very impressed by this last. It's a very Top 8 magic Very in the spirit of <laughs> the Top 8 Magic podcast. Just not putting it up. But, yeah, I mean, it's not just that, but Kyrie's out for four weeks. Yeah, I mean, just, like, random, brutal. like, hurt finger. Did he, like, punch Andrew Bynum in the knee? I don't know. Props. I mean, like, uh, the thing is, like, uh, Wages of Wins was just the, the blog I follow. They had, like, Anderson Verjao rated the number one player for, like, quite quite a bit this season. Yeah. How can Anderson Verjao be so good? And the Cavs still only have two wins after, like, the crushing defeat of the Clippers they had in week one in their opening night win. Like, how is it possible? I think they have the worst bench in the history of basketball. Maybe they just want more draft picks. <laughs> they don't need any more draft picks. They, need they can't some, afford any more draft picks. They need some average players on the bench. Like, I was showing the stats to Satan. They got multiple guys, not just one guy. They got multiple guys. You put them on the floor. It's like spotting the opponent oh, a sure. free LeBron James. Sure. Like, it's like, here's a free LeBron James. Who, who, was the, who was the next point guard last year? Jeremy Lin. No, not, not Jeremy Lin. Shumpert. No, no. Shumpert does shoot. Sure. Knicks are going to be hellacious when Shumpert's back. I love your Knicks team this year. You know, you know what's crazy to me? Carmelo's playing exactly the same way that he's played in order to get to superstar status. Sure. Two things different. He's playing more power forward. Obviously, there's no Amare. And he's taking the, the, the greatest number of threes of his career, which is great. You know, he's he's a more efficient three-point shooter. But he's, he's, also, he's also passing a lot more than he's ever passed in his career. Like, I don't... Speaking of passing, your old guys are... Yeah, kid is kid is so sick. Oh my god! I, I would wow. I would absolutely go to New York Knicks Jason Kidd wife beater night. <laughs> I mean, you're. I mean, I I, I talked. To, I, I was like, I was so mad at the Knicks when they didn't re-sign Landry, and then they replaced him with Brewer, and I'm like, say don't worry, Brewer's better than Landry, Brewer's and Brewer's good. killing it. Yeah, and like I mean, oh, and your center, whatever his name is. Yeah. He's pretty good, I yeah. guess. Steve Steve has come around on Chandler being the second best player in the NBA in his mind. Satan? Satan second best. Satan player. thinks that Chandler's second best. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, After I, LeBron, I, th- I I I would I would have to disagree with that. I think that's like a I think that there's a lot of different things that you can overlay onto a statement like that. He's one he's one of the. Offense. He's the second best player, not named LeBron, who's a Nick. How's that? Okay, I would say this: Chandler is the reigning defensive player of the year. 
He also happens to be more or less the best offensive player in the league, other than James Harden. His points per shot are utterly ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. He just doesn't take a lot of shots because he's on the same but he's team. Taking a, he's taking a lot more yeah, shots right now. Because Amari's not there to eat up all of his shot attempts. And like you said, Carmelo's passing. Weren't we supposed to not talk about basketball? This, was, this is all on you. People can I'm hear just it. going to cheer for the Spurs they can, again they this can year. Play it back. No, you got to cheer for just cheer for the Knicks. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I, know, I really don't mind cheering for the Knicks. Yeah. I, 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 because normally I'm just like so pissed at them, like how bad the Knicks are, but their off season was fantastic. So I, I need to uh... hold on. The voice of Janine Turner. <laughs> She's got a deeper voice than I expected. I mean, our last podcast that actually went up was called "No One No One Wants to Look at Carrie Fisher." I would still look at Janine Turner. I think at this point. <laughs> I, I, you know. Yeah. Jesus sure. yoga. Sure. <laughs> so. Uh... I wonder if she can do a good back bend. So we gotta actually. <laughs> This is an adventure yeah, podcast. So I actually have to. I owe Steve a like, Knicks game for his birthday. Yeah. So we should go. We should all go to a Knicks game. It's only in the next two weeks, like before I Christmas. Gotta, I'm see if I can try to go to an SCG event. So the thing is, I'm doing the SCG. First of all, I did not realize how bad I set myself up for failure on this one. So I hold very high records on the the SCG like uh, total like concurrent viewers and, and all that stuff. So so I'm like, oh, so I only wanted one one event this quarter. And so me and Patrick Sullivan are doing Vegas. I was just like, oh, this is going to be the sweetest thing. We're going, we're just going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to throw the the long pass across the entire, across the entire Superdome on this one. It's against two different constructed GPs the same weekend. What are you? What are you? Are you doing Montreal or Toronto or whatever that one is? I, Who am I up against? What is it next year? It's in like three weeks. Wait, is it this calendar year? Yeah. Then I'm not going. Oh. <laughs> But I mean, like, it's gonna against two concurrent constructed GPs. Probably I'm up against Marshall then. Who's that? Probably, Steve. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, look, here's how it works. Yeah. If I'm not doing the event. It doesn't actually exist to me. <laughs> like it actually ceases to exist. Like I will, I'll read about it. Yeah. I'll play back some stuff if I need to for my article. I'll do a little research. But like actually, like in terms of like, so who's no idea. No idea. No idea. Okay, so we could just drop the notion of doing magic. Are we gonna do an event? Are you doing Charleston? What is it? Char- whatever. Which one am I doing? I don't know. I'm doing one, but You're I'm doing on a like, GP. I'm doing a concurrent to a GP. <laughs> I'm on the other squad at the same event. <laughs> We got to do an actual GP. Yeah, yeah, we should. How many people do they send on a GP? Two, two people on video. Yeah. And then two people on text. Really? And then like two other people doing like tech and. Yeah. Like you know. So you like, know, who directing. is it like typically like? You, Steve, Rashad, like the last Sheldon. Of, the last event which I did was Chicago, which was me and Jake Van Linen on video, Saden and Nate Price on text. Satan's good on video. Why don't they put him on camera? I mean, he's a good him. analyst. Yeah. yeah, he does good stuff. And then uh, me and uh, and then Rashad and Rusty on tech. Yeah, Rashad you know, does a lot of shows. Rashad does all the shows. <laughs> it's is this his job now? Yeah, it's like the Rashad show. Yeah, I like Rashad. So he wears, he, like, he wears a lot of hats, literally. Literally, I was yeah. thinking the exact same thing. I've seen him. I've seen him in a hat or something. <laughs> when we were in Chicago, you didn't like the pizza places with us too. I don't like pizza in Chicago. It's not. It's not that good. 
remember this. Like, everyone else was like, and even Kibler, Kibler who's on, you know, eats like a caveman or whatever. He's like, all right, I'll make an exception to go to the pizza place. And the other day you're like, this pizza's not that good. It's not that good. I mean, it's fine. Like, I guess for terrible pizza, it's fine. It is. That's exactly, that's a great, whoever put it that way is brilliant. It was you. Oh, interesting. Way. For terrible pizza, I guess this is mine. Like, I came home and I was like, I'd eaten a lot of pizza because... We're doing a cup Grand Prix, so there's not a ton of yeah. other food to eat. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, it's 11.30 at night. We need to get something to eat. Let's get pizza draft. Yeah. So I'm like, I've eaten a lot of pizza at that point. But I came home, the first thing I needed to have was... It was like a Waldi's. Was, was, well, I mean, Salugi's now. Waldi's is near the old office. I'm not there that often. So Salugi's. we have this place, Salugi's. That's the place you have, like, some veg, veg on top. The Brussels sprout bacon pizza. And then the I would get that pizza. just, like, hold the eggplant and Brussels sprout. We're all good. The Brussels sprout pizza really good. So, but anyway, how many so, minutes are we in? Eleven fifty-two. We haven't talked was, about magic. Well, yet. I was just going to ask you though. So, what, I mean, so we've had a bunch of grand prix. We've had a bunch of SCGs. Yeah. What are the what are the I'm, what are I the like cards you're super excited about right now? You want a laboratory yeah. maniac? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you you like the seance laboratory maniac? No, I, I made a new deck last night. I've been working on it. It's not it's not really ready for prime time yet, but it's. It, I'll tell you the shell right now. Faithless looting, mulch. Tracker's Instinct, Desperate Ravings, Think Twice, that many card draws. Yeah. And the rest of the deck you is... You don't like Forbidden Alchemy? I don't tap for black. Oh, okay. Um, I don't you don't even... have Snapcaster Range? Or... No. Oh, okay. All my, all my spells have flashback. Sure. Did you notice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, my, then the rest of it's dudes and two enchantments, so it's just like... Are you hunt... playing Burning Vengeance? No. Okay. Hunt Master. I, lo- I, lo- I almost lost the Burning I'll tell Vengeance. you my deck, and you'll be like, whoa. When this is ready for primetime, it'll be sweet. Huntmaster, Thrag Tusk, um, Huntmaster and Thrag Tusks are adepts in it. Uh, You're really labor- not ready for prime time. You haven't even finished casting all the rolls. Laboratory Maniac. How many? Two. But I have that. What's that thing we said would be a strong role player when the set when we were doing previews last year, but nobody's played? It's UU four. You can pay tokens out of the graveyard. Oh, so um, if I just mill my laboratory, back from the brink. Yeah, so I have two of that. Oh, back from the brink, sweet. In the deck that I just named, sounds pretty sweet, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then I have one other, a little bit more than one other slot of dudes. What's another awesome dude that you could play in this? The pretty high impact dude. I, I can't remember what it, what it is. Imagine one enough that you could play. I, you need at least like sixteen dudes to play like trackers and stuff. Sure. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so my other dudes are three nightshade peddlers and two. Uh, Flash Tim guys. And Is I it Staticasters? Yeah, so I have that like as a sock. But sure. like, you have so much tutoring, not tutoring, card draw that you can yeah. easily put that together, and those guys are pretty good on and you can And you can play it back from your graveyard with back Correct. from the brink. Yeah. Um, what about. Uh, that, that's my whole deck. And then, like, so basically, I, I have yet to win a game with. Uh, with, uh, with the deck? No, no, with uh, it's actually it's doing really well. Uh, with uh, the actual laboratory maniac portion of the deck, I have, however, like drawn a million cards and just completely outcarded my opponent. I'm like, all right, I'll trade my drag test with your drag test. I always have seven cards in hand, right? right. And then, like, you know, you're mulching and just drawing two cards, right? And then, like, you're burying stuff, and then you're like, all right, back from the brink. Have you, ever, have you considered like a card like thought flare? Uh, have you considered playing back from the brink like ten lands and play? <laughs> I've I've actually I've actually played it in standard. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good in yeah. this deck. I had it so. on the sideboard of my mulch deck for a while. So I mean, remember I had uh, last standard 
Oh, go I around. have one gnaw from the bone in my main, and I have two oh, more on my so sideboard. It's, it's really sweet, isn't it? Uh, I was, I was playing. Honestly, my games never go to that point. Like, it's it, well. There's no the problem. Is my deck not is really, nothing but card draw and sweet creatures. There's not really an aggro deck right now. Is the problem, right? Like, no, I mean, you know what's good about the this zombie deck? Probably can't beat that card. I mean, what do you think the zombie decks are doing against a deck that's like nothing but Huntmasters, Thrag Tusks, I mean, and then can, the Nightshade Peddler combo? They Dude, can beat a Thrag Tusk. The O3 guy just shoots down half their team by himself. <laughs> Just like, ooh, a grave crawler. How clever of you. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you the sweetest thing I did this week. So I'm actually behind. My opponent's got, like, an Ash Zealot. And then I leave up black. and Like, I'm just like, uh, whatever, uh, sign of blood myself. Leave up, like, black, red, say go. My opponent plays down, um, plays down Falcon Wrath, Aristocrat, and swings. And I'm like, all right. Tragic slip your Falcon Wrath, Aristocrat. So... It's like, all right, I'll have sacrificed my Ash Zealot. I'm like, all right, morbid. And he's just like, <laughs> Brutality. That's the sweetest thing. I mean, oh. That's pretty sweet, right? Like, yeah. Did you, uh, have you, so here's a card I've been thinking about a lot. And I don't know, how big a deal would you say Detention Sphere is right now? It's annoying to play against. But is it like, a, what percentage of the decks do you think have it? 25%, 30%. So, like, thinking, More than our playing Abrupt Decay. How about that? Because yeah, I've been thinking a lot about uh, spider spawning again. Like, with decks like, but with decks that are mulching, tracker's instincting, uh, forbidden, like, you can forbid, you can play like 16, you can play Grizzly Salvage, Forbidden Alchemy, tracker's instinct mulch. 16 cards that just stock your yard. Snapcasters well, to flash back. you want to be, because... You be green, blue, black. No, because so, if you're like green, blue, red, for example... Then you don't okay. have to play. You don't have to play Grizzly Salvage. You can just play, uh, Desperate Ravings is the. You can just play. I was just gonna say you can just play Desperate Ravings and, and Faithless, Faithless Looting. Looting. Sure. Either way you can yeah. do it. Either way you want to do that. But like, like the part of the thing is that it's just like Grizzly Salvage. I mean, uh, I just think about Spider Spawning and like Gavany Township. Seems like it closes games okay, so this very the, fast. This is the reason why I didn't play Spider Spawning in this deck. Like, I mean, detention shares. No, kind but of I just a, don't have that deal. many dudes. Like, you're like, you work so hard to get like three dudes. Well, well, I mean, when I was playing the, when I was playing my version, I, I mean, I played with, you know, me. I'll always shave a couple lands from mana guys. I only have like 22 lands in my deck. Right. I have so much. Card how many? Up. How many creatures? You only have 16. 16 dudes. Oh yeah, I usually have. Dudes. You need like 20, I think, to make that work. But like, remember, like my primary modus of uh, of winning is to just like draw my whole deck. But I'm telling you, I just it's interesting. You have a deck that's just nothing but card draw and insane creatures. It just never goes. Watch. <laughs> like, well, I mean, that's funny. Like that's your how... thrag tusks are trading third cards, and then you play back from the brink, and they're just like, when how I... could I ever come back? You have three more thrag tusks than me. When I played the spider spawning deck last year, my original goal yeah. was to like, you know, set up the loop from the draft deck, so like uh, be able to like. You know, shuffle three cards back into my library. Uh, uh, you know, go whatever the wish card was again. Um, yeah, I know which one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, God, I feel so bad. I feel like I've neglected this deck for so long now. I don't even remember the card names. But but the gnaw from the bone is pretty. Oh, cool. the gnaw from the bone. The gnaw from the bone was so insane. Like you would just literally gain twenty life, and like some deck has just invested their first five turns in getting you to eight. Yeah, and they're like, ah, ha, ha, I've got him. I mean, I don't get that uh, many because like my twenty-eight. All my all my dudes are. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they, and the creatures are just better in this, you know. Then boards, I have like bonfire of the damned, 
A lot of the like, just random populate cards are pretty good. Like, you know what card I think might be pretty good? Druid's Deliverance. Because if people are just trying to go off with Craterhook... People, people have been talking about the Fog deck in general, too, right? Not, I mean, not just even, like, a Fog deck. Like, your opponent tries to kill you with the Craterhook Behemoth on turn four. You're like, all right, Fog. And then untap, kill it. Like, right. they've invested seems, so much in, like... That, that actually seems awesome to me. Like, it seems fine. I, I really like... I mean, the, God forbid you actually get the bonus on it and get, like, a sick lock-in at some point. Right. Like, it's... I really like Rootborn Defenses a lot. Yeah, that's a good one. I like... You talk about a card like Bonfire of the Damned or Supreme Verdict. I saw a blue-white deck with it. You know what card is actually better than, I thought, Divine Deflection? You beat the crap out of me with Divine Deflection. Oh, really? Week. What did they deflect? But he, he killed... He killed, uh... Rakdos Kirun multiple times, which is so hard to kill, especially if you're in white. Oh, God, yeah. He killed Rakdos Kirun multiple times, and then he actually killed a Planeswalker with it. Like, by shifting damage? Like, I was actually very impressed by that card. Yeah. You know card I've been impressed by? I, and this is, keep in mind, this is a draft, but we were talking about it in the office today as a card that, you know, could this see player constructed? And it, it has. It's already seen player constructed, but in modern, is Goblin Electromancer. Goblin Electromancer. So that's the card that you you told John to put oh, into his stand deck. I don't know the names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the like, red, 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 blue guy yeah. for two. We were just talking about like the or, idea. Like, can you imagine casting Rewind with that in play? Or I like, can imagine. Like you can do a lot of like. I play against Goblin Electromancer almost every night, but I, I don't usually make videos against Goblin Electromancer because they're not that they're not that center. You know, like they're kind of on the fringe. Sure. People, but especially if they're playing Gutter Snipe. Like I think people are trying to play Gutter Snipe are just trying to be cute. Uh, for the most part. And do I love a Gutter yeah, Snipe? Yeah, you're trying to be. But cute. I don't like it in concern. I mean, I just, I just. Pretty much, if you want to force me into red, just pass me a gutter yeah, snipe. I won't, I won't, it doesn't matter what cards are in there. It could be like an Umazawa's Jitte, an Imperial Armor. Well, like a pack rat. And a pack rat. I'm going to probably... Filthy liar. I'm going to pray that that gutter snipe gets, comes around. It could be, it could be a pack rat and 13 1992 Janine Turner trading cards. <laughs> Non-Christian yoga. Well, one of them is coming back. <laughs> Non-Christian yoga. <laughs> you would take the pack rat, not the gutter snipe. Man, I love Gutter Snipe. Though. Man, I love 1992 Jane Turner. <laughs> did a, did a, we did a draft last night. It was just like turn two Gutter Snipe. I mean, turn two Electromancer, turn three Gutter Snipe. Person plays something on their turn three, yeah. like a, just like a Wally kind of whatever. whatever. And then it's like my turn four Gutter Snipe. Another one, Gutter Snipe? One blue inaction injection. I love that card. Deal four to you. With the two gutter snipes. And get in for, and like get in four. for four. Yeah. It was, uh, All right, let me ask you a question. I just dropped the mic and walked away. I'm like, you can, you can win the round. You can win this match. Lemon out. Lemon yeah. out. Yeah. So, why don't, like, I saw, like, somebody on our list, I can't remember who, showed, like, his PTQ deck, and he had an action injunction in his sideboard, and he was playing blue. Like, didn't Kenji Samura take that card first pick in, like, one of the drafts? At, I think so. I mean... I love that card, first of all. Maybe I'm overrating because I like cantrips, but... Yeah, I love, you know, you know I love a cantrip. I, I don't know. I mean... People don't seem to like it. It comes around pretty late in drafts. Like, I kind of wish I drafted. Should I draft? I'm, this I this format's a lot of fun. This format's a lot of fun. Uh, you'd love it, is it? But it's not good, I heard. I heard that the ones yeah. you want to draft is white. They're wrong. So what, let me ask you a question. You are, if, here's if, the thing. If everyone's okay, drafting look, white. If everyone's Gardner drafting, versus Architect. If everyone's TF, drafting. you are very, you are high Z's and low Z's, right? Yeah. You're up here or you're down here. And you, you, you right even, now I'm way up here. And you even out about here, but just like the average is like here. Right now I'm way, way up here on is it. Yeah. All right. I'm just telling you, like, if everyone's just like. I'm good at just picking a color I like and forcing that color. Yeah. I mean, like. Like, is it I crushed is it an entire Grand Prix season that way once. And, like, you can just. 
Like, cards like, people just don't love cards that get action and junction, and it's awesome in that I, I really like it. Let me tell you something, when that card costs you and deals two to four damage, it's pretty exciting. I got you. So, uh, you, you were saying something interesting about having an office. Yeah. Um, when, I know you... One second. Because there's a... There's a fairy to Newport, apparently. <laughs> and a Charlie Brown special airing. <laughs> All right, so you're talking about having an office, and I just wanted to kind of, like, tie into something that you had mentioned on one of your uh, Pro Tour Grand Prix webcasts recently. Yeah. Which is about, and it's, the reason I ask is because uh, I read an article by, skimmed an article by Travis Wu this week about monetizing your uh, your hobbies. Sure. And uh, the thing that you had mentioned was kind of like doing the things that you love and then oh, yeah. kind of turning that Jake into, uh, the, in into something else. Yeah. yeah. Jake used to work for you, right? Yeah, Jake, Jake has worked for me intermittently. Yeah. Jake's a free spirit. <laughs> yeah. But he used to actually work for you. Yes, yes he has actually worked for me, yes. He's actually worked in our office. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that's my, sort of like my whole adult life. It's part of your adult life. Like, you, you've, of, yeah. you've sort of straddled. Um, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of, I'm obviously, I, I have mad, uh, mad, I, I got my company acquired envy of you, <laughs> but, and, you know, there are so many things that you've done that are so interesting in your career. I mean, like, most people don't know that you've killed Captain America two years before it was cool. Yeah. Or, well. or that you invented men in black and or cowboys and aliens. <laughs> most people don't know that about, now they do. Um, but, like, uh. You know, you just whatever you did, like neutral ground, sure. gray matter conventions, uh, and you just kind of like helped create this culture that we all participate in. And like it was like, I, I hesitate to call it a job. <laughs> but I mean, but that's but that's part of it, right? Like yeah. part of it is saying that you could buy apartments this way still, even if, yeah. even if Mike hesitates to call it a job, well, it no. doesn't stop you. From no, that. It, but but the thing is, I think a lot of times people are scared to call it a job, or scared to like treat their passion for something that they're that they consider a hobby. Yeah. As, you know, very serious. Like, I mean, the thing is, you can, you know, look at, I mean, Marshall Sutcliffe is yeah. a great example to me. Uh, this is someone... I'm a very, very great admirer of Marshall Sutcliffe. Yeah, so Mar- Marshall Sutcliffe and Ryan Spain decide that Ryan Spain should have a job at Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, this is my favorite story. Right? They're like, he should have a job at Wizards of the Coast. They start a podcast. With the sole purpose of getting, of getting Ryan Spain a job at Wizards of the Coast. And, it, and it's, it's, they not only, and it's not only successful, but it's like this ridiculously successful, influential podcast that continues on even without Ryan Spain is really shaping like, the affection that newer players have for Limited. And... Um, and, you know, somebody... It's a great place to point people to. It's like, like how, how amazingly well are they positioned? It's like, hey, a friend of mine's like, I want to get into magic. I, I really want to draft with you guys at your office when I'm in Sacramento. How do I... Uh, what's a good, Where do I start? And I'm like, well, you should probably listen to the Limited Resources so, Podcast. You know, and then somebody notices them, and now Marshall becomes a, you know, a commentator on the SCG series, and then now a stalwart on... on, on uh, official. I, I got him on uh, Wizards coverage first, actually. You don't know what text messages I sent before sending that text message to you. No, I had him in Seattle. When you had him on Seattle, 
don't mind us right now. All right, we'll, we'll talk about this off-camera. This is a result of something that happened after something else that I had done okay. first. Okay. Don't mind us. <laughs> but regardless, I'm a great admirer. Don't let the kids see us fight. What? Don't let the kids see us We're fight. We're not fighting. But what are we, fighting over who likes Marshall fastest? Oh. <laughs> you hadn't even heard of Marshall before I told you. I'm like, this guy took me out to dinner last week. But um, um, when I was in Seattle. Call. Destroy you with my call. Call. This call. is gonna re- call. Nothing. Call. We're gonna go. We're gonna go there unlimited. No we're gonna only... go unlimited resources and Saturdays. Okay. Two problems with that. What? What makes you think he knows what pieces we're playing? <laughs> Second of all, there's no way this can be resolved successfully without looking something up, and I refuse to do that. Right, so <laughs> I'm drawing the line. Agree to disagree. <laughs> or as Martel told me last night, agree to agree. <laughs> I'm like, probably I think this guy's a bag. And he's like, agree to agree. <laughs> he's clearly a bag. I agree to agree also with that sentiment. <laughs> not Marshall. No, no, not Some Marshall. Some other guy. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, to me, that's also an important thing. Like, one, I would say one of the defining characteristics of Marshall is uh, his positivity. I, so actually, what I would say is, the reason that I admire Marshall so much, personally, is because he still has this thing in him that I don't know if we ever had, but, like, I certainly don't, if I still have it, I don't, I don't, um, I don't express it the way that I might have in the past, where his, the motivation of his production is so pure, even with commerce being, being, uh, being a part sure. of it like it's so pure all he wants to do is like he's like I have this strategy and the way that I'm gonna execute on this strategy is by just doing this thing that I love so much right. and, and, and other people love it too and, but, and that's kind of what I was talking about when I was saying like yeah. as a job like even if you're not like if at some point you want to get paid or if you want to get like an opportunity to work at Wizards or Star City Games or you know, some other magic site or another game company. Or like or, anything you like or, if you want to be but, an but illustrator I'm saying, but I'm saying or if you're yeah. somewhere in the magic... Oh, you're, yeah. I'm saying if you're in this sort of magic sphere and you're looking to make a career out of it, like, you, you find something that you want to do, you find out something that, that you have a unique perspective on or a unique voice to... You think uniqueness is that important? Uh, I think... I think you have to... I think you have to believe that it's unique. At the very least. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think you have to, like, believe in what you're saying and what you're doing. And that... I, I, th- I think that that I comes think uniqueness across. is certainly a plus. I'm just questioning of whether sure. or not it's an essential. Sure. I think the things that I, I think are the are the most important from my perspective, and I think you'd probably agree with some of these, are consistency and uh, ability to... to, to and, and good sound engineering. Well, the interesting thing about consistency is, imagine how popular our podcast would be if we contain, if we continued on the same level of consistency we did the first three or four years, right? We weren't even that consistent then. I mean, we'd have weeks where we'd run three podcasts. Sure. I mean, we predated MTG Cast, right? I remember, like back in the day, Cristobal being like, "Hey, do you mind if I put your super popular podcast also on my burgeoning podcast site?" And we we're like, oh, "I guess, I guess." <laughs> now we're like, "Man, I really hope Cristobal puts our podcast up." But we certainly don't remember how to anymore. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I think consistency is important, and I think that um, the ability to like add value in, in the sense that like there has to be a consumer for your good, right? But that sure. consumer for your good can either it can be like one of two things, right? I think that uh, what Marshall did really well is like the, the consumer for his good is like all the people out there who love his podcast. Other people, the consumer for their good is like a company. No, I think I think it's actually different. I think Marshall, the consumer of Marshall's good, is people who want to improve it limited, and there's just the only people who write about limited. Yeah. Write about it almost at the highest oh, level. Oh, at a level that's just well beyond. That just, it's like, you know, that, 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 that just like the way Titans play magic. You yeah. know what I mean? As opposed to like, hey, this is why you don't want to play a one for one for one that does nothing. You're never going to get that from, yeah, it's, it's, from, from Anton. Anton's never going to explain to you in detail why you don't want to play a one one for one that does nothing. It's very interesting you bring this up. I've been on limited resources the one time. And I was just like, Marshall, this is how you draft this format. And he's like, no, that's not how you draft at all. And I'm like, I mean, I don't really want to argue with this, but, like, like, I mean, I hate pissing contests, right? Sure. Because, like, I mean, like, I don't play very much limited, but if I focus on limited, like, just look at my records here. Like, Rabbits looked at my record on these formats. He's like, wow, you were just one of the best limited players in the world in this time and this time. I'm like, yeah, because I figured out the formula. I'm like, this is the formula to how you play this format. So you're an architect? I am an architect. I'm like, like the, the notion of drafting what comes is like, that. all that happened. I mean, Brian Hacker taught me this. He's the grandfather of limited. He's like, if you let somebody else engineer your draft, have fun at the one-two table. He's like, he's like, Hacker's favorite thing was drafting the same color as the guy ahead of him if he thought he was better than the guy ahead of him because that guy would protect all of his good picks by taking crappy cards. Like, imagine <laughs> the hubris of that statement. Sure. And Brian Hacker's like, I don't know, top five limited well, players of all time. And this is like, his attitude is, I can't wait to draft behind this guy of the same right. colors as me. Well, it was like uh, Zvi's theory about, what was it, uh, Odyssey Torment Judgment? Oh, yeah, just where, give me the white cards. Where, no, but no, 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 no. Where he was talking about actually, like, if you want to draft black, yeah. you actually wanted to be the last player in the line forcing black in pack one. Like, oh, but you, because because even if you were just getting the dregs of oh, black. Oh, because of the depth, sure. But no, because in pack two, when it was mono black, and if you successfully, oh, over the okay. course You're of four off, or sure. five people, cut the people to your left off, like, if you cut it off, completely to the left like it was just going to come pouring through you and you were going to get all the premium black in the best yeah. black pack so a sim- similar spot right so um was it m11 that i was like always forcing blues at the year m11 was that the jace jace's erasure yeah that was yeah, it yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, i mean M11. i like figured this out pretty early on i'm just like you never waver from blue and like i remember even when ages like don't you know how to read a pack and i'm like yeah i know how to read a pack i know that i'm never gonna waver from from drafting blue he's like eh, and then like aj's got like his multiple confiscate deck and i just <laughs> i beat him with my my refusal to not draft blue even though we're blue blew off so we did all these eight fours like in our hotel room that you screwed us on you're supposed to room with us but you're like i, I don't want to like, be foursies anymore so me and paul jordan are like doing this just doing eight fours in the room and i'm and paul's like there's just no blue in these packs there's no blue i'm like paul you never waver from blue okay he's like we don't get a blue card until pack two obviously end up winning the eight four do another one he's like there's just no he's like let's take this black card mike come on i'm like never waver paul tenth pick cancel or first pick cancel it doesn't matter all the cancels make the cut and he's just like it's like no no no, no. i'm like 
Never waver, Paul. So we get there. It's just like, boom, win another 8-4. Next day, Paul battles through at a premier event PTQ, right? So premier event PTQs are so huge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul has an average sealed deck, but he plays really well, gets to the top eight, and I'm watching his draft, and I look, and it's just nothing but black and red cards, and, like, just like a, an un... Like a, this thing is 1-1 one, one until end of turn, that one. Yeah. I'm like, Paul, do not waver. And, like, like I, Paul looks up to me, and then, like, three picks in, he's just, like, taking lightning bolts. And I'm like, no, Paul, no, no, no. Blue-red is the worst blue combination. And he's just got, like, this flaccid black-red deck that he's starting at, like, the end of pack one. And he just, like, takes a white card. Takes, he's just like, oh, there's just no blue. And then the river comes in pack two, and it's nothing but insane blue. But he's like... He's just given away his soul to the forests or whatever garbage non-blue he's got. And he's just Is like... Is forest just your, just your derogatory term for any land that's not, not an island? Not, not an island. So at the it's a end, forest. It's a mountain, Mike. No, it's a he, forest. He, he, looks, he shows me his pile and he's just like, I wavered. And I'm like, yeah, I watched you waver. Did you not pay attention to all the eight fours we did practicing for this weekend? And he's, he's just like, I, I don't know. There were so many lightning bolts and terrors. And I'm like... All right, you've got lightning bolts and terrors. Let's see, let's see you beat some Azure Drakes, and he failed. Yeah. His opponent's just like, you know, an, a man of war, an Aphidian, and an Azure Drake. A couple of blue commons, not, like five lightning bolts in Paul's hand. So, Can't beat three blue commons but with a bunch of lightning bolts. It just doesn't happen. So, so what I was saying to Marshall. It's just like, you can't waver. You know what the best cards are? You take the best cards. Forget about what people are willing to give you. They're willing to give you their garbage. That's what they're willing to give right. you. So, it was interesting. You're an architect. Right? I'm, an architect. I'm an architect. So, I was talking to someone last night. We were doing a draft. I don't remember who was talking to. We were talking about gardening, essentially. And the idea that you're doing a draft and you're pretty committed. You're getting your cards. You have a you have reasonable selection. But somewhere along the lines, like five picks in, you notice... Four black cards, right? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, like, clearly an underdrafted card color at the table. And I think my position is to actually just dig in and doubly not draft that color because I want, like, because I feel like everyone's looking at it and everyone's making that evaluation at the same time. And I really just want everyone around me oh, to, fall to, for the jump, trap. to yeah. jump at the I same time. I love that idea, yeah. So, the... To not, let them garden while I'm building? Certainly. I mean... I would actually put it like this. I think that, like, all the things that we learn, right? You know, I, I'm not... I don't subscribe to, to any, one, any one system of beliefs in its entirety, I, I would say. But I think that we can learn from all different systems of beliefs. And I think that there are probably times where you'll get maximum value from being a gardener. Sure. And that's, but I think that, on average, you're going to get maximum value by being an architect. Because, especially if you specialize in a really good archetype, you're going to know things like... This card has is slightly better than this card in these colors, you know. Right. Well, I mean, so, that's always that's always kills me whenever people sort of evaluate picks and talk about cards being Frank a Frank Carson. Well, even Frank Carson, though, like when when people try to like objectively say this card is more powerful than this card, you should take it. Like the thing is, when you're building a deck and you you know a deck, like cards have just different value to you. Tangarth or Flame Tongue Cavalry. Flametongue Cavu. Yeah, I had to take Flametongue Cavu in a Rochester draft that pro tour over Tangarth. And I got the the biggest stink eye looking in the face. And I was like, because I I, I... I actually had this happen to me again recently. I mean... I, oh, no, no. You know what happened to me recently? It was Flametongue Cavu or uh, Lightning Burst or whatever it was. No, not close. Not, that not one's, Burst. That's not close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tangarth's way closer. I mean, Tangarth... I mean, 
obviously Magmaverse can't. Any of those cards can can win a game. Yeah. But of the, those three cards, which one is going to get blown out by Pollen Remedy? Like <laughs> you don't you don't want to get blown out by their thirteenth pick sideboard cards. Sure. Like that's. I mean, I'll, let me tell you something. I won a lot of matches in that Pro Tour with Pollen Remedy because I was just like looked across the table and I'm like. This guy's got three magma bursts. He's not gonna like this. <laughs> He's second I mean, make day two. I remember Koal has the lethal magma burst in his hand. And he does not cast it for so long. He eventually wins with it. And I'm like, what were we doing, Koal? It's just like I knew he had an absorb. Just looked over. I knew he had an absorb, and I knew he had the thing that counters kicked cards. So I'm like, so he just waited, and he just like plays a must counter. His opponent's board like in response magma burst. You no kicker. His opponent's got like counter a kicker, and there's an absorb on the stack, and he's just like hand out. For the day two, how wicked is that? That's awesome. Just like I knew we had an absorb. I mean, first of all, we pass it to them, right? <laughs> Second of all, like, <laughs> but he knew it was in grip, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so anywho, wow, that's more limited than we've ever talked about. Yeah, I think. yeah, I, that's what's because usually when I start talking about that, you're like, no one wants to hear about limited. I actually love limited. I just only specialize in limited number of limited formats. You can't do everything. Yeah. I would specialize in cube if they let me play cube at all times. Worth. Um, all right, tell me this. Yeah. So I met Max McCall like maybe three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I was out in Seattle and uh, I went to dinner with him. Is that Max McCall or Max McCall? Maximum McCall. Maximum. Former R&D intern, current. But he's like a cube maker, right? He's like cubist. He's got, he's got a he's a cubist. Yeah. He's got like an office filled with Picasso paintings where he yeah. just you know models out cubes on three D three D graphics C- software. Cezanne. C- 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 <laughs> All right. So, you know, I met I met Max. We had super good chats. Uh, and so, you pretend you're Max. You you tell me what you tell me the interpretation. You're pretending you're Max of the tweets like this. I'm like, Max. Say a body had a friend who was a genius and wanted to make the Moto Cube. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> what's your what's your announcement? me? No. John? Guess again. I just want to make the Moto Cube, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know certain me. Yeah. But um uh I really want to make the I, the thing is like, I actually just want to make this cube, but I don't want to do all the work of, of testing it myself and like digging out all the cards for it. If you make so the cube, we'll, we'll dig out the cards. I think it'd be an awesome. So I'll tell you the paradigm a bit. Sure. Every card in the cube has the words hand, library, draw, or graveyard on the card. It's just mental magic. It's like not just mental magic. It's got everything from Threshold to uh, cycling kicker. Uh, so it's just the high velocity cube. I think it'd be be really, but look, also like Masticor's right. So Masticor sure. has the card, it has you know, has hand on it, right? So the, I think it'd be really interesting, and I like, you know, it, I think it'd be really interesting for like a cube to have both Borderland Ranger and Civic Wayfinder, and like the beady-ish kind of creatures are. Elvish visionaries, but then like also the same cube is going to have an action injunction, repulse, exclude, and repeal. I'm really attracted to the idea of playing. I love this Simic deck that I'm drafting. I'm just drafting all the cards you just mentioned. But 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 Brian, what if what if you were past like a flame tongue cavu and a magma burst? You know, like I would take the coiling oracle. <laughs> There will be a coiling oracle in, in this cube. I mean, doesn't that sound like an awesome cube? That sounds like fun. I mean, obvious. I mean, you know your audience here. Obviously, it's like this 
is the cube I want to build. Yeah. Right? So like, I'm I'll, thinking like, every I'll, I'll, I'd work on this with you. Tons I'd of battle mages, you know, like, but I think it'd be the kind of cube. Obviously, cube seasons are very short, right? So you can make a cube that we can just build a physical cube. I know. I own all these cards. I just don't want to dig them up. Like, um, you can send a pro tour top sixteen competitor to your apartment to dig some up. <laughs> I got plenty of those. I could. Have. <laughs> I, you know, I own all my cards now. So listen to this. Apparently, I could just get store credit. <laughs> I've been doing this for like a bazillion years. I didn't realize I could just like, and then I never just lose the money. Like it's not like I had to pay money <laughs> on magic cards. Instead, I just get some store credit, and then I'm like, oh. Wow, here's a bunch of Thrag Tusks I now own. Right. Restoration Angels. Like, it's weird. I was talking to Josh. I'm like, I actually own every card I need for my deck. When was the last time I could say that? Josh is like, never. <laughs> Josh is like laughing at me. <laughs> All right, so tell me what to do. So I'm doing this show in Vegas, I told you, right? Yeah. That's what, but I kind of want to play an Invitational, which is in L.A. the week after, and then, or I could play in Baltimore the week before. There's no way I'm going to get dispensation no, from, I think you, from the I think, captain I think you for, bail for on Vegas sides. and play in the Invitational. Okay, who's calling me? Seven seven four. I don't know. I'm not going to answer it. I think um, you bail. I think you bail on the on the I Vegas. Cannot the bail on Vegas. Of course you can. I'm on the ticket. So that's like Paul Ryan at the last minute being like, "No, I'm not going to pencil Fantastic Four this month." <laughs> How many people out there got that one? That was pretty good. Paul Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, once upon a time you could Google Paul Ryan. There were just like these pictures of Hank Pym, <laughs> but now. <laughs> Nope, not anymore. That's it. That's our that's our podcast now on politics and comics intersections. Oh, speaking of comics. Let's talk about Steve Ditko and the Libertarian Party. I was I wrote this blog post last night and I didn't want to get the story wrong. So I wrote it like three times and I just ended up deleting it. I was just like, next time you see Pro Tour Historian Brian David Marshall, Uh you ask him the story. And the the story is um, uh, you used to work at a comic book, you used to work at various comic book stores. Tell me about the day that David Latham's Stray Bullets number one came out, and what did you do with that one? Uh, okay, so uh, I was actually a Latham fan. I, I've done a lot of work with Valiant and Defiant. Yeah. And so I was. I did not know that. I'm, I like you even more, and yeah. you're one of my best friends already. Yeah. <laughs> Um, more, more, more with Defiant than Valiant. I, the Valiant offices were right in your office, so like we would always do promotional opportunities at the store. I was doing PR work for a chain of comic stores in New York. They're so doing promotions and arranging signings. And so I was uh, doing some, some consulting work last year, and the the office area that I was at, like which is like kind of a temp, not really a temp offices, like but just like. Um, a lot of different like shared shared, like shared office space, space where yeah. they like shared yeah. shared meeting rooms and stuff. So the Valiant offices were there. Oh, it was awesome. so like I was like it's like it said Voyager Entertainment or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like I knocked on the door of this random office. I'm like this is like Valiant Comics, is it? And they're like yeah. And they handed me an Exo Manowar hardcover, and I'm like I own the original of this. <laughs> you know, do you know that Kevin On had basically the same experience? Really? Yeah, he was in that same building and yeah. did the same thing and knocked on the door. I did not know. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But I mean, apparently, I missed Jim Shooter. Like he, oh, he just works there. I mean, like as a consultant. Yeah. So, but anyway, I was just so mean to so. Anyway, so, we're, so so I'm a fan of Lab, and so I when when they announced Stray Bullets was coming out, which was this crime black and white crime comic. It's very small press. To say that it's crime, it's like I think it, it it's more than that, right? Like, well, at the time, this is what we viewed it sure. as, right? And that's how it was advertised. And he was writing and drawing, and it's really the first time he was writing anything. Although he'd written some Warriors of Plasma stuff that 
most people didn't know about because it was already dying. But I love Defiant Comics. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I mean, I, I wish Janet Jackson could color. Yeah, but same. I love Defiant Comics. Uh, she could apparently do other things, so uh, you know that's fine. Uh, that's cr- that's you 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 one. That's, that's what I say now. Like when people say something like that, I'm like, how very you 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 one. Uh, you draw a card on that one, bro. <laughs> you tap always, some creatures. Always draw a card. <laughs> so. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I think this comic's really... We took a, a pretty strong position on it yeah. for an independent comic. You so, know. explain this. As a retailer, you have to like, go order these comics. You, well, you, order, you do you not order, know if someone's yeah, going to buy you'd it. You'd order stuff blind, right? And it's like... And no usually, one's ever heard usually, of it. Usually, you're looking for, usually you're looking for like sales patterns, right? You're like, yeah. we know we sold a thousand X-Men comics last yeah. month. We'll sell a thousand X-Men comics this month. Right. Or, oh, a Justice League number one. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have all this history, but there's no history for this. So I'm like... I'm like, I, I really feel like this is going to be, you know, we took a mildly strong position on it, had a bunch of them, came in, I read it, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was just like everything I wanted out of a comic book, visually and narratively. It was just, it's awesome. It was just it's perfect. A great number one issue. And I went and I just ordered 500 copies from, I called David Lapham up. Yeah. That's a lot for an individual. And I, I called, it was, it was, it was a significant percentage of the print run. Yeah, like a total, a total print run for like something, anything I don't think they, I don't think they first printed 10,000 copies. Anything other than X-Men at this point, like 10,000 is a massive number. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it might have been 10% of the print run yeah. we ordered. And I was just like, I ordered them and I basically hand, so, and like, I didn't work in the comic store in the you sense of work. I was, no, I was, I was doing, like, my job was to like, you know, uh, order product and do promotions. It's like we're gonna get you know get handle like a five thousand person Jim Lee signing and a Rob Liefeld signing and a, you know and like those kind of things. Uh, so, but I was and I was literally out on the floor like hand selling copies of this book. And I'd be like, here, take this you home. You gotta take this. I was yeah. like, just I was like, don't even pay me for it. Just take it. If you like it, come back tomorrow or on Wednesday or yeah. whatever and pay us. And we sold. The whole run. We sold the entire run. It's un- an unbelievable comic book. I, it's out of print now. And they don't have it on Comixology either. Does he not want money? I don't know. He's, he's, he's an odd guy. I mean, in a good Did way. Did he just but... make enough money from El Capitan? He can't possibly have it. It wasn't big runs. I mean, the hardcovers, I think, did pretty well for him. Yeah, but then why not keep him in print? I don't know. He, he could do a Kickstarter. I would give him uh, how much money he wants. Why things in print, so... So I was at Kamikaze, yeah. uh, which was the Two LA comic sure. a couple months ago, whatever. And you know, we're with a friend of mine who is an investor in the convention. So we got to go to a party yeah. and go to the like private room inside the private room at the party. You know, like kind of. What like, do they got in that private room? Stanley. <laughs> I'm waiting for like Catwoman models. No, no, Stanley. Like Supergirl cosplayers. They just bring out 90-year-old rock star Stanley. So everyone's of course taking <gasps> pictures with him, and I'm like, I don't want. It. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother him, yeah. you know. And then I'm like, I'm like thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, there's only. Like, I'm, I'm. You know, we see celebrities all the time in New York. You know, and it's like whatever. Can I tell you about the time the, the Padma was in Whole Foods, and I just kept yeah. like walking. Like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say. It. I just never did. So I generally will never say anything. Finally, but I'm like, he's right there. He's expecting shaking his hand. So I go up to him. and I'm like, this is really. Look, I just wanted to say, you know, I, obviously everyone talks to you about Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, you know, all these books. But for me, the thing that was really influential on my career was the interstitial stuff you wrote in, you know, Marvel Origins, Son of Origins, Bring on the Bad Guys, and Origins of Female Superheroes, which I think was what the name of that was. And these were like four trade paperbacks that came out in the 70s that just collected the origin stories of all these different heroes and villains. And like, had these little interstitials that that gave you a brief, like, 
narrative about the creative process of like working at Marvel. Obviously, the, a lot of it was complete bullshit, right? You know, in terms of like Ryan, how could you ever <laughs> claim that? But but for me, it was like really important in the sense of it gave me this glimpse of kind of harkening back to what we were talking about earlier. That, you mean like what we do, like we're doing right now? Like like that you could make a comic book, like that you could decide to create something that you could that you, love something that you could and love it could right. be your job. Yeah, like what's yeah, the top of yeah, the exactly. And so I'm like, and I was like, listen, I just want to tell you, and I'm like, I, I love everything you did, but for me, like the big thing for me, like that made me want to go start a comic book company and write comic books and you know just like work in this way was those books. And he's like, oh. and he was really like. I always like when I can talk to someone yeah. and have something meaningful to say to them. And then he was like, he was like really taken aback for a moment. And he was like, oh, thank you. He's like, he's like, I don't know. And it's exactly, he says, I don't know why Simon and Schuster doesn't have those books in print anymore. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Which was kind of awesome. Yeah. It's not, it's not that often you get to share profanity with Stan Lee. So. But. That's a great. I, mean, I really don't understand. I, I, I would. The, so, have you ever read Courtney Crumrin, Ted Knife's book? No, but I, I know I'm aware of it. I think we might even have it in the office. I just read Irredeem, uh, Irredeemable for the first time. How much of Irredeemable? Did you read? First four trades. I need to find the next two or three or just do this, one. dude. Here. Is it on Comicsology? I have them all on my this. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I'll do that. We just had the trades in the office, and I was like, "Oh, let me read these. This is really good." It's very good. I mean, he just quit at some. You know, like he's just like. I guess I'll go get paid actual money to write comic books again. I think that's what he did, right? Like, because like five minutes, it was like he was doing this thing, which is does like, it end? Indie, yeah, it's very over. Okay. Like, and I mean, I don't want. Don't don't don't. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't I certainly don't want to root, but like when when it ended, people were on two camps. They were like, I effing hate this ending. Other people were like, I liked it all right. You know, like <laughs> oh, like Lost. <laughs> it's not that abru- like I feel like he put a lot of threads in that were like ultimately felt unrealized, but. To his credit, five minutes later, he had his Daredevil book out with Paulo Rivera and Marcos Martin, and damn, is that a comic book. Oh, yeah. You haven't read his Daredevil? Just get them from Matt. They're like absolute pinnacle of straight superhero comics. Oh, comic. You were supposed to bring me some comic. What were you going to bring me? (gasps) Fantastic Four. You have to bring me the Fantastic Four. Jonathan Hickman. Oh, my God. Can you imagine he finished one spot higher than me on CBR? Yeah. And, like, now he's, like, literally the rock star. Maybe I should have not squandered my opportunities. Possibly. I actually got a contract before he did. I was in Variety. (laughs) Now... I'm talking about him, my podcast, and he's... Your, your life's been fine. Yeah, I mean, it's most... That's the other thing, like, you he's can't... He's the top, I mean, he's the top writer at Marvel yeah, right now. You can't, you can't, uh, I think one of the things is you can't regret your choices. No. You can't, like, spend a lot of time, I like, mean, going, like, oh, I could have done this, or I could have done that, or if I'd done this differently. I think people have, like, pretty much three or four things that they can work on in their life, and I'm, I'm like, two for three right now, and I'm, I think, all right. You know, that's the, you know, yeah. if you're, if you're, uh... If you're batting way worse than that, and you know you're my age, maybe you got some stuff to work on. But you know, look at you—you're like got got the same wife who you've been madly in love with. You just had your anniversary, right? Yeah. You're like you have among the most interesting careers of anyone I've ever met. This is like our Thanksgiving podcast, literally and metaphorically. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. But yeah, like you know, you know, you're doing all right. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? So this is a story. <laughs> so. I'm having Thanksgiving at my sister. My sister got a new condo. I've never been there. Sure. It's in Queens, though. It's like in Astoria. It's like sure. she probably has a better commute. Speaking of which, I got a firm offer on my apartment today. Congratulations. So Matt's friend, who is our who's our broker, and like we got an offer. We I, I wanted to counter offer for ten grand less than she wanted us to counter offer for. So we're like, all right, let you you counter offer. 
the potential buyer comes back with exactly the counteroffer that, that I would have asked for, which means that, you know, it would have been less. And I'm like, just take it. And she's like, I could needle her for the last five. <laughs> I'm like, Catherine's like, I don't want her to piss this lady off, you know? But still... Anyway, yeah, so, I don't know, it looks like I might be moving south of Canada soon. You're going to move to Queens? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, your, your, wife wants to, your wife wants to move to, like, Midtown, right? Like, or uh, below Midtown. I mean, like, we actually kind of want to move in the same building where Shark lives, but it's, like, really expensive. Like, I mean, it's not a question of, like, can I pay for this? Do I want to pay sure. for this? Like, that's the... It's different, you know? I'm used to paying a lot less money because, you know, I've owned my apartment for... However long. So, um, uh, yeah, so so she has this new apartment I've never been to. And so my parents are flying in um, from Cleveland. Oh, we're nice. we're going to have Thanksgiving at my sister's house. But my sister doesn't cook, really. She, my sister doesn't cook at all. What she mostly does is handle celebrities and, like, go to comic book conventions or whatever. Um, and uh, my wife doesn't really cook, you know. Like, uh, so she's like, oh, so let's cater Thanksgiving. And you guys so, all want to come to our house? I'm cooking. You're going to the shore. My parents, we already have this whole plan out, but you'll understand this story. My, my dad would probably really appreciate going to your house. I'll tell you the story, and you'll understand why. Okay. So, my sister, my daughter, and my wife are all basically vegetarians. Sure. So, like, my wife will pound some Shake Shack burgers once every six months. Sure. But the rest of the time, she's, like, not even a regular vegetarian, like, local food. Sure, sure. Whatever kind of communist. Snotty vegetarian. You know, she's got a lot of advantages to how she eats. Like... <laughs> looking way better than people who eat like us. Sure. <laughs> so, so, she, so all of them... She also has body parts that help her look better than people like us. Yeah, well, she also works out a lot, but regardless. So she's like, her, Bella, and... Oh, man. I went to Shake Shack. Catherine's like, you know, for whatever. She probably had some woman reason that she needed to get some iron or something. So she's sure. like, you know, I haven't had a hamburger in like two years. I think I want to pound some Shake Shack burgers. We go to Shake Shack... And, like, me and Clark and Catherine are having a great time. And Bella is just giving Catherine the stink eye. That's like, awesome. the fact that she's eating a hamburger is like she murdered someone. She's like, Is that someone a cow? <laughs> well, Bella used to eat, like, bonchon and stuff. But she turned eight last year. And she's just like, on my eighth birthday, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. She's like, I just want to be like mommy. And that's what I'm going to do. And so, I mean, she had actively decided to go from someone who ate, like... Bonchon and stuff. Right. And do you remember we used to go to what, we used to go to Bauhaus and yeah, she would yeah, get like oh, yeah. you know bows and stuff and she just doesn't eat meat anymore. So you know eight year old Bella Flores is just sitting there like we're, we're, we're Bauhausing on Tuesday by the way. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday for lunch. Uh, Me, Steve, and Kevin on so far. I'm sure I'm working. Yeah, whatever. So the uh, anyway. You can't just run and get away for two and it takes two hours <laughs> to get across the freaking river. <laughs> Do you see? I can see the damn city across the river. It takes two hours to get to. It's anyway. So, uh, so we're just gonna cater Thanksgiving. So Catherine like finds this this. Uh, so she takes orders from everyone. Like the food looks wonderful, but it's like vegetarian. Yeah. yeah. So uh, everyone's all happy with this. My mom's all like, my mom's always wants to be on a health kick because she thinks it's a great example. Yeah. Catherine, whatever. So we'll order this. And so my dad's like, Thanksgiving we have to have a turkey. So I'm going to tell you what, Dad. I will get you, like, two portions of turkey, and I'll, like, get them from, like, Whole Foods or whatever. And he's like, we have to have a turkey. Yeah. Okay? I don't like turkey. I haven't had turkey on Thanksgiving since 1991. Yeah. Okay? The rest, I mean, Clark will eat whatever, right? Yeah. But, like, the rest of my family is literally all vegetarians. And my mom is just, like, indifferent. Sure. And, like, so my dad, 
we have a, we're gonna. I don't even know how small you can get a turkey, like twenty pounds. Uh, you can get. I think you can get a chicken. <laughs> Say no, it's no, a turkey. No, no. If it were chicken, that would be succulent and delicious, and I would eat some. I but I just, know how you feel about me. your just turkey. Call, just call me. I'll talk you. He I'll does talk you not through. Want have you ever seen? Have you ever seen like an airplane movie where everyone on the airplane is dead? Yeah. Everyone who can fly the airplane is dead, and then some guy is yeah. like, "I saw a movie about someone who flew an airplane." They're like, "Fine, you." Was that the Washington? Gonna, and we're gonna and we're gonna talk you. Th- we're gonna talk you through it. Call me. So, I will talk you through the turkey. I don't know. I do not know where the turkey is coming from because Catherine's just like disavowing it. She's like, "We're paying for like a catered Thanksgiving. Anyone else can take care of the turkey." Okay? Sure. There's like you know eight other adults. By eight, I mean like four other adults. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so basically, there's like one man who wants to eat a turkey, and he's gonna have twenty pounds of turkey. That's probably. awesome. That means good turkey leftovers. I don't like turkey, and the rest of my family is vegetarians. <laughs> I mean, I, you've, you've, we've always, I mean, actually, other people on who, who are just listening to this, they, they don't know about this. But for as long as I've known you, I've been like, I don't like turkey. I don't eat it Thanksgiving. And you're like, you haven't had my turkey. I cook it in a paper bag. I don't cook it in a paper bag. <laughs> what the hell is that? I don't know. I, I, I assumed you cooked it in a paper bag. <laughs> I <laughs> I deep fry it in peanut oh, oil. Oh man, I would love. Last to year, my dad wanted to deep fry it. It's like three hundred dollars in peanut oil. You can uh, the, amount of, the cost of the peanut you oil. Can is, get, is they, have, they have an electric fryer now that you can do actually use indoors on like a yeah yeah that for, but I mean you're basically buying another three hundred dollar item to yeah, fill but, with three hundred dollars worth but of peanut oil. Literally, we were gonna do it the other year. I'm like, you know what? I would eat this. You know, I got, yeah, yeah. Like I literally haven't eaten turkey since 1991 on Thanksgiving, and I'm like, I would eat this. This seems novel. It's three hundred dollars in yeah. peanut. I mean, like, do you what? rub butter under the skin? I don't do any preparation of turkey. Rub, I don't like you rub butter under the skin. You take butter, you put flavors in the butter, you lift the skin, uh, and this is this. The vegetarians get a big kick out of this because you actually put your hand in between the skin and the body of the chick of the turkey. When you say they get a kick out of this, you mean they're vomiting. Yeah, yeah. You make like a, a, a glove out of flesh, and you rub the butter. Similar under story. It. One of my coworkers. This is his Thanksgiving. So they're getting a turkey. They're like putting pork stuffing under the skin. Ooh. Not, not pork, sorry. Duck, duck sausage, handmade duck sausage under the skin. And the duck that it came from, they're wrapping the turkey in the duck skin. They have outfancied me. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, that sounds complicated. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it takes like three days. you got to like chill it in the refrigerator. I'm like, why do you have to chill it in the refrigerator? He couldn't tell me. <laughs> but the... the, the the that airplane, awesome. everybody's dead, calling on the phone. <laughs> Voice from above telling you that a certain boat has come. Says you got to chill it for three days with the duck the duck sausage. Stuffed with duck sausage. Duck sausage under the skin. Wrapped in the duck skin. That I sounds mean, awesome. I would probably eat that, but that sounds more like duck to me than turkey. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a turkey in duck clothing. <laughs> it's like a turducken, but not, yeah. you know, lowbrow. Or you could really go lowbrow on the turducken and go for the turduckinal. Where then you Appalachian it up and you stuff a squirrel inside the chicken. <laughs> Ooh, leave no cavity unfilled. Just like That's ram what it she in said. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she tried to say it. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tight, huh? That was actually so for trivias, look up what the team name that me, Brian, and Tim McKenna got away with on approach for one year. I'll give you a hint. It was tight, huh? <laughs> Not only did they let us have that team name, we both still work for them. Yeah. Tight, huh? Tight, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
And we could have called ourselves now Clap. UUU1. This has become exceedingly UUU1. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So you, you, you're not going to PTQ this weekend? Apparently there's a PTQ in, like, Saddleburg. So? They don't want a PTQ? No. Okay. I don't think I am either, actually. When was the last time you played in a PTQ? It's been a little bit of a while. It's I, been I think a while. probably played in, like, two years. The, the, pro- the problem is with, like, doing a bunch of GPs and the PTs and then, like... you got to be with home with your wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta like watch some games. Oh yeah, well I hate being away on a Sunday. I miss enough football games as it is. Alright, so the other night I tried to change my strategy. So instead of watching the Cavs game, I decided to just look the score was tied in the fourth quarter. So I decided to just look at the ESPN. Is this page. is this where Mike reveals his superstitious balderdash that he goes through while watching a sporting event? So so I was like so Please share your superstitious balderdash with us, by the way. So on instead of watching them lose like watching them like squander a twenty six point lead, I'm just gonna keep refreshing this page and surely that will change outcome. It didn't. They lost by eight, and they were tied with, like, four minutes to go. That's insane. But now, now Kyrie's hand's broken, so apparently... They'll probably go on an improbable winning streak now. Probably not. No? No. Just in, in, just tank from now on for the draft pick? I mean, tanking... That's not even ten games in. They're eight games in. You're to start a tank now? Wait, there's, wait, there's 74 games left in the wait, season. Let me ask you a question, by the way. When did James Dolan suddenly become a font of, like, I was right? I don't know. Like this like, year's his first saying, opportunity. But I'm, but I'm saying, like... Was like, he the owner when they traded oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, his family anyway. But, like, he's like... He's like... People are like... Donnie Walsh is like, we can't trade Timothy Mozgov in the Carmelo Anthony Timothy. Deal. Timothy. We're going to... That's where I draw the line. Jim Zone's like, shut up and give him the Russian. <laughs> right? And now... And everyone's like, no, it was too much. Right? And then everyone's like, we have to sign Jeremy Lin. And he's like, fuck him. <laughs> A lot of swearing in this. It's two, it's two, three. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Getting everyone in the mood. Uh, and then Jeremy Lin is just like, been. They would have signed Jeremy Lin if he didn't try to double right. double back right. on that Houston. But deal. just kind of kind of mediocre. And Raymond Felton has looked like the truth. He's looked awesome. By the truth, you mean like a fat person? <laughs> because that's what the truth looks like. No, he doesn't look. He looks. He looks a little true out of shape. Paul Pierce. <laughs> Could use like a different size jersey, maybe. I, I mean, he's been. Have you watched him? He's been awesome. He's been great. Who Felton? Yeah, Felton. I mean, I think that you know my opinion. I think that your center, your backup point guard, and your shooting guard are the primary reasons that yeah, that you're winning. Shofar comes back. It's gonna be awesome. And then Landry Fields broke his elbow. We look like geniuses. And you haven't played Amari Stoudemire even even one minute yet. Yeah. Um, There's Mike, a lot of superstars Mike, that are injured this Mike year. Mike Woodson more or less said today, the first inkling today, that he would play Amari off the bench. I mean, can you do that with a max contract guy? <laughs> I mean, you can do whatever you want. I mean, he yells at Carmelo. Like, I don't know any other coach that would yell at a player of Carmelo's, like, perceived stature. Like, he just yells at him. He's like, what the hell are you doing? It's kind of awesome, actually. Mike Brown used to do kind of like that with LeBron. He would just kind of clap. No matter what. Matter what LeBron did, he would just clap. <laughs> oh, I didn't ask you what. It, so, what do you think about the D'Antoni in Los Angeles? Uh, I think I, I mean I've read a lot about. It. I studied it first before I voiced any opinion. Yeah. Because I like wrote like a eulogy on Matt Sperling's wall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like yeah. I'm really sorry this happened to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, um, 
the, the thing is, like, uh, Phil, what are they going to pay Phil? Okay. Infinite. Would they? They didn't want. Well, I'm he, saying that's what they have he, to pay. He used to make twelve, and they didn't. They wouldn't even pay him six to re, re up his contract previously. You think that they're going to pay him? He probably right. He probably is like, I've got them over a barrel. I want ten. Yeah, like that ten's even a pay cut for him, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, they probably weren't going to pay him. So who are the best available coaches? Is D'Antoni the best available coach? Yeah. D'Antoni's not a bad defensive coach. If you go look. His teams play at a very high pace, so there, there's there are more points get scored right. even on the other side. Right. Well, the the argument is right. Like I don't quite understand the argument that like well if he scores 151 points and yeah. the other team scores 145 points he's happy. It's like well that seems fine to me. That's a plus six. That's like a <laughs> that's a superb point differential. He's played at a different pace. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't I, I didn't hate that. I just thought that Tony what he doesn't seem to be able to do is. Make control superstars. Control superstars, or make adjustments in a game. Um, so, well, let's look at it. Look, the only frame of reference I have for D'Antoni is when he played Phoenix, when he played New York, right? Phoenix, he had Matrix at his height, and his three pointer was Did he literally have a year that he had like Amari Matrix at his height, Nash more or less at his height, and Joe Johnson as an All Star? Yes. I mean, he kind of had. That's actually kind of unacceptable that he didn't win a title then. But is, is that the year that he lost the title because they... Yeah, they had a lot of bad luck. No, no, they had the fight in the finals. Is that I the year? I think that was two years later. Oh, okay. It was the year where, where like, people just like, Amari got suspended for two games in the finals I mean, or like, something. It's, I, I always make fun of Amari. Not his Nick, I was a huge Amari Sotomayor fan and, and when he was a son. 2008 Amari Sotomayor was a stud. So, so my favorite Amari... Like before the, his eye he's, injury. He's, he's, actually, his... he's actually just seems like a kind of awesome person, like as far as a superstar goes. I like, almost did like a what's he do? E-boost. Yeah. Is that his product, E-boost? I almost ran that last year. Yeah, I don't know. He uh, like they do a they do a thing at Madison Square Garden where they have this reporter who looks like Clark. Yeah. He's this little kid, Natalie attired, <laughs> right? Who goes around asking questions of the New York Knicks. He just interviews them. And so he's like asking people what uh, what the most money they ever got from the Tooth Fairy is. Yeah. And they're like, talking about stuff. And Amari Stoudemire is like, I don't know, a nickel? And the kid looks horrified. And he's like, Amari Stoudemire's like, sees the kid, Amari's like, wait, how much do you get? And he's like, five bucks? And Amari Stoudemire looks horrified, legitimately. And he's like, must be nice. This is a dude making like... A hundred million dollar max contract. He's coveting this kid, this kid's five bucks for his tooth. One-eyed, zero-need max contract. <laughs> Uninsurable center that doesn't rebound. <laughs> That's great. His tooth falls out. He puts it under his pillow and is like gets a note. Sorry, you're not insured for this. The tooth fairy. Um, you know, I you were in the Cavs in 2009 or whatever. Would you have just taken Amari instead of uh, instead of Shaq or Jameson? We could have had Amari instead yes. of either of those players. Yes. Uh, but you know, Amari made it clear he didn't want to re-up contracts. Do you think he? Would, I, I mean. It's easy to say that, and then to play. But with, they might have won the title. They know? win the title, and you're playing with LeBron James, like and Anderson Verja, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Will Williams in an All Star year. Like, yeah. I mean, they, the one that kills me is in uh, 2010. The, the what was it like? Expirings on on Zadrunas and Shaq for 
Chris Paul, o- Okafor, and then like two throwaway. Too two, good. Too good. The commission would veto it. I mean, my God, can you imagine it? The starting lineup is Mo Williams at shooting at shooting guard, Chris Paul, Vera Jow, Okafor, LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, how is that fair? Their bench is like Ben Wallace. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't, like, I'm like, how is this trade not occurring? Yeah. And, like, literally, the article was like, either New Orleans makes this trade or they go into receivership next season. And they didn't make the trade. They went to receivership next season. I'm like, is it so much better to go into receivership than to have made this trade? Oh, yeah. Which would have made, you know, we play, mono Cavs titles for We play weeks. New Orleans today. Let's play New Orleans. Yeah. Cavs are playing Philadelphia today with no Kyrie. And no Bynum. You see behind him, he's like, well, while I was rehabbing my left knee, I hurt my right knee. <laughs> what happened to his head? I don't know. I'm, I, I was actually pissed the Cavs didn't make the Bynum trade this summer. Now I'm like... He's, he seems like he might be a little bit of a case. Well, what I heard was, you know, Mike Brown is best friends with Chris Grant, who's the who's the Cavs GM. And Brown is probably just like, don't pull the trigger on Bynum. Dude's... Made out of sponge sugar. He, he might be. He might be a little bit. He might be a little loose now. He's got sponge sugar from everywhere, from between his ears to his knee, yeah. and his other knee, <laughs> and his hair. God. Yeah, that's He's, a bad haircut. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. No, it's not. It's kind of awesome. I mean, he can run like the Dave Williams fro. That would be awesome. He's got like there's you know I mean there's a lot of flat tops in the NBA this year. <laughs> Both uh, Norris Cole and. Uh, I'm on Shumpert rocking that. You know, you got to do something different. Yeah, I watched a lot of games so far this year. Most of them depressing. Yeah. And Harden has just looked insane. I love Harden. Has he looked insane? I, I, I know. Mean, he it's... looked insane for the first three games. But he's like, he's mortal now. Yeah. I mean, still very good, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going to put up 45 points a night every night unless you're Dominique Wilkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. All right. So we're going to sign off. Uh... For Michael J. Flores. Well, one thing. What? what are you thankful for Thanksgiving? Oh, man, you know, I, I'm just thankful to be here. <laughs> yeah? You know, I, you know, my friends, my family, you know, getting to do stuff that I love. It's, you know, pretty, it's pretty basic. It's an admirable thing, doing stuff that you love and then getting paid for it. I think that's just like... Yeah. I don't mean that in a mercenary yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like... Being able to do stuff that you love. Like, everyone has work, right? Like, you either have work or you're going to die. I yeah. Think, right? So, I think that the privilege of being able to do stuff that you love is... Uh, Simon, like you said, I get to do stuff that I love uh, some of the time. <laughs> but uh, the rest of the time, I at least do stuff that I'm good at. Right. Which I think, that's right. also admirable. There's a lot of people who are locked sure. into doing stuff that they neither love nor are good at. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. So C- about you? Cigarette lobbyists. Yeah. I'm thankful for cigarette lobbyists. Yeah, because they know. make you feel better about your job. I mean, I have been called pure evil by John Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful for people who are worse than I am. <laughs> I think I think <laughs> right on the moral I, continuum. <laughs> I think that's where we need to sign off. <laughs> Michael J. Flores, Brian David Marshall for Top 8 Magic. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>